Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Iris back on the air again with you. Um, seems like only a moment ago that we sort of left you all behind for Christmas. We didn't really, because we had to carry on working. But I hope you all had a wonderful time. We're now into January, February, spring. Spring is going to come. And I know that there's snow in Northern Ireland right now, because you know what? That minister that always comes on, our favourite one, Hugh. He's come over here because it's warmer. So, <laughs> good morning, Hugh. What's your snow like now? Good morning, Iris. It's always nice to be in a warm, cosy situation uh, with yourself on the radio station. And... Um, yeah, this morning, very early, it was very cold here. They said four degrees, but felt more like two degrees or minus two degrees. I'm not sure, but it was very cold. Next thing was there was a heavy shower of what seemed to be rain, but it turned into ice uh, falling from the sky. So Ooh. the ground was covered in white, snow-looking ice, and um, which now stopped and the sun is coming out so we praise god for that that's the weather forecast <laughs> from this side of the uh, channel there is channel and um, there you go thank you well, we, we've got um eight degrees but it said it feels like six well if it feels like six it jolly well is isn't it <laughs> yeah it's the wind it's the wind <laughs> well what have you got for us today? I know we're still in Thessalonians. Now that's chapter yes. five, oh, sorry, chapter three on, on the first yeah. book. Yes, we are continuing on in our study in the book of Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. We're working our way through First Thessalonians, and, and if God permits it, we'll go into the second uh, book of Second Thessalonians. But at the moment, we're in chapter just starting chapter three. And this session of First Thessalonians, and uh, Paul had been speaking about their ministry and how God had directed them to the Thessalonians and how God had blessed their ministry and that God had been speaking to many people among the Thessalonians and bringing them out of darkness into his most glorious light. And just finishing off chapter two there, it says that he was they were taken from them for a short time in presence, but not in heart. That's verse 17. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they were endeavoring the more abundantly to see them face to face with a great desire. However, he does bring in the fact that Satan actually hindered. So Satan is able to hinder, but not halt the work of God. But Satan yeah. certainly is in opposition and contrary all that God wants to do. So he is a, a disobedient, as it say, a disobedient son of God who's gone his own way and brought with him a multitude of the angels. A third, we are told, of the angels followed him. And they are actually um, overseeing humanity and wanting to carry out their will and purpose. God ultimately has the control over them. In this world, and God restrains them where and when they need to be restrained, and uh, they're just treated as wayward sons of God, and Satan is at the head of them. So he's he's opposing 
the message of the Lord Jesus. He's opposing the truth of God, and that's what his business is. So Paul said that he had managed to hinder them from getting to them because Paul says, what is, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not the believers in the Lord Jesus? So the believers have a future, and that future is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 19, he says, and that celebration of joy and, and glory and honor and praise is going to find its final manifestation, he said, at the coming in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. This is the second comment um, that Paul has made about the coming mm -hmm. of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we should understand as believers that Jesus promised that he would come back again to this earth and that God has promised Jesus, Yeshua, in Hebrew. God has promised him that he would set him on the throne of his father David and he would give him the rule and the authority. He would lift the curse, bring the blessing, and that all the nations of the earth would be subject to the rule on the reign of this man called Christ Jesus, the man that was rejected by the Jewish nation and the man that was accepted and received by God his Father into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. So he's coming back again. And we as believers in this generation should understand that the circumstances and the timing of his coming is looking like it's close at hand so we need to be ready for that coming and in these two letters uh, Paul is certainly making the point uh, before we finish off First Thessalonians about this coming of our Lord Jesus Christ people should not be confused the church of Jesus should not be confused in any sense about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ God said he was going to send them Jesus promised that he would come and the church of the first generation were speaking and looking forward to that great coming. Now, 2,000 years have passed, but the promise of his coming has remained virtually unchanged until this day and generation where God has now making clear the effect and the truth of his coming. So Paul is saying we are rejoicing because we're looking forward in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. For he says, you are our glory and joy. You see, that's the ministry of God, that God creates in people, believers that truly believe in the Lord Jesus, that they are in fellowship together, one with another, and they're enjoying the glory and the joy of God, and it all accumulates together at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, now in verse 1 he says, wherefore when we could no longer forbear. So in other words, he had a heart, and uh, Timothy um, also, they had a heart after God's work, and it's good for men of God who have been called by God to serve us, the body of Christ. That's what the callings 
and the giftings of God are when Paul said in Thessalonians, when Jesus went to heaven, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, chapter four of Ephesians. Those are ministries. Those are gifts. They are not something that men have manufactured in some college or some institution. Those are gifts and callings that God has given and the Lord Jesus Christ is the head over those gifts, as well as every member of the body of Christ. So these are the ministry gifts that's operating here to these believers in Thessalonians. And Paul was saying we couldn't forbear any longer. It's, it's getting to us that we're absent from you. We care about you. You see, real genuine ministries that's given by God Real genuine men of God have a concern, have a compassion, and have an interest in people themselves in the body of Christ. They understand that the members of the body of Christ are the members of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not the members of Paul's clique or Timothy's clique or any other crowd. They don't belong to anybody except the one who purchased them with his own precious blood, the Lord Jesus. They are the people of God, purchased by God, for God, and in his purpose. That's the bottom line. That's the truth. Paul says we, we couldn't forbear being absent from you. So he says we thought it good. It's a wonderful thing to have ministries like Paul and others like him um, that they think good things for God's people, good things, not bad things, but they want to do you something good. They want to lift you up. They want to edify you. They want you to be strengthened in the, in the, in the work of God, in the gifting and in the calling that God has given. You see, the early church ministers and ministries understood, understood the revelation of God that it was all in the Lord Jesus, that he came to earth, he gave his life, he died for us. God raised him from the dead. God seated him at his right hand. He gave the ministries. It's all about Jesus. It's not about ourselves. It's not about that we should be focused on. It's not about that we should be served, but we have come to serve the interests of the Lord Jesus and the interests of his body, the members of his church. Can I hear an amen out there? Amen. Those amen. Words, hallelujah. I think we should have a, an, an amen corner here. We should get a, a group together and they can shout amen when they know it's the truth, just in case they think this old guy that's speaking, he's just <laughs> talking to the top of his head, but he's not. He's speaking from the word of God. This is the truth as it is in Jesus there he says we could no longer forbear. We thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Paul says, you know, I'm not thinking of myself, but I'm willing to be left alone at Athens. It's sometimes necessary to be alone, sometimes necessary to have others, but it's nice always to have the fellowship of God's people. So he says that he sent we sent Timothy, that's Timothy, 
the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. This is the same person. I sent Timothy. Look what he calls Timothy. Now take note of this child of God. Don't be bewildered. Don't be confused by what men will tell you, but take thought of what the word of God tells you. And this is what God says about Timothy. Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God has preserved this word for 2,000 years, and we have it in front of us now. And he says this, our brother, Timothy, our brother. That's someone that's at the same position, same status as yourself. He's your brother, or he's or she's your sister. And that's the first thing he said about Timothy. And he says, I'm a minister of God. Now, Timothy, are you a minister of Paul? Is Paul your senior? No, he's not. He's not a minister of Paul or Peter or John or James or anybody else. He's a minister of God. His responsibility in his ministry is to God. His accountability is to God. Who's he going to answer to on the day of judgment? It's going to be God, and it's going to be our Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus. He's the one that God our Father has put in place to be the judge of all of humanity and the judge of the church that he has bought with his, with his own blood. So he's a minister of God. Who makes you a minister of God? Nobody else. It's not men. Men can't make you anything. It's God alone. It's the Lord Jesus, God manifest in the flesh. He makes the ministers. So how do you know? Well, I'll tell you, the minister that behaves like Jesus is most likely to be a minister of God. Amen. A minister is a servant. A minister has come to serve. Jesus said he had come to serve, not to rule and to reign. But God sent him into the world, and he said he came as a servant. And the scriptures make it clear that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That is some service that he has done for you and for me. That's the Lord Jesus. He was the ultimate minister of God. He's the only man and the only ministry that God three times in the scriptures has recorded. That he says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God can be pleased with ourselves yeah. on occasion. And sometimes he can say in his word that he was pleased with such a person. But never ever. As God said that you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Absolutely and totally pleased. Because Jesus was quite different from any other man. He was not a failure. Regenerated. He was born perfect. He was holy. He was God's eternal son. He was conceived by God. Raised under the hand of God. And lifted up by God at Calvary, and taken home to glory. That's the one who we serve. 
and there's no other message. There's no other message for any other human being other than this one, that our Lord Jesus Christ is the only and one true living son of the eternal God. So Timothy, a minister of God. I say, I believe that's what Paul maybe could understand and more than that, than what I've described about being a minister of God. But Timothy, you could ask, who gave you the right to speak? You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees challenged Jesus. And they said, who gave you the authority to speak and to do these things? <laughs> and Jesus said, well, I'll ask you a question. John the Baptist, all the people listened and rallied around John. and They're all baptized of John. John told them about the Messiah, the Christ, the one that was coming, who was mightier than him. He says, was John's ministry from heaven or from men? Jesus answered their question with another question. I think that's a sort of a Jewish trait. Mm. But he said, is it from heaven or from men? And these Pharisees thought and they said, well, to themselves. Well, if we say, the scripture tells us, they said, they talked among themselves and God hears every, every conversation. And they said, well, if we say from men or from heaven, they say, well, then why did you not believe him? Because John told the people about Yeshua coming and recognized and confessed that this is the one. This is the one that I've spoken about. When Yeshua was the last person to be baptized in water by John before his ministry, the heavens were opened. The spirit came in the form of a dove and the voice of God came. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. John says, this is the one. This is the one. So they said, well, if, if we say from heaven, then you'll say, oh, we cannot. Why don't you not believe him? Or if we say from men, then they were afraid that all the people were so convinced that John was a prophet sent from God. If we say that John was just a man made up of himself, the people will stone us. So they couldn't win that question. And Jesus says, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do this. So there's a minister of God. And thirdly, a fellow laborer. Paul recognized Timothy that he was about working for the gospel. His energy and his time was about glorifying the Lord Jesus. He was a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. The gospel means the good news. So the fellow laboring was in the gospel of Christ. Any man that said, He's a minister. He should be focusing on ministering the gospel, not on anything else, but on the gospel of Christ. That's what it's about, to establish you. That's what the ministry is about, to establish God's people, to make them strong, to make them feel they're standing on the solid rock of God's revelation of truth, that they're in a relationship with an eternal God, 
and an eternal Son of God and the Holy Spirit eternally and to comfort you. So this is the ministry. You have to ask yourself the question, how many ministers are about looking, motivation to establish people, to establish people and to comfort them concerning your faith? You see, that's the focus as far as God's concerned to do with the ministry because it's all about Jesus. We should be directing people's thoughts towards Jesus, nothing else but towards Jesus. You say, well, is that not a wee bit too narrow-minded? I want to tell you something. Jesus is so big, you'll never exhaust your words or your thinking about Jesus. You've got to get into it. You've got to keep at it. You've got to keep asking God, help me to see Jesus. I've been on this road now for 57 years mm -hmm. and I've come in to the end of the story in my life and I'm telling you that God's knocking on my heart's door telling me, keep your focus going on Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't want to speak about other things. I'll talk about everybody and everything. I will use everything to direct people's focus onto Jesus. Because when I breathe my last, who am I going to be accountable to? Who am I going to be standing before? Who's yeah. going to receive me into the glory? Is it going to be old John down the street or Mary up the road? No, it's going to be Jesus. And I hope that he says at least those words, well done. <laughs> faithful servant. I don't feel I'm that good or I'm that faithful, but I'm going to keep trying my best and I'm going to keep on the road. And that is the point of our life. How we finish, God takes us along. So he says to establish and to comfort you concerning your faith. Why? Because here's the result of that ministry. You see, anybody receiving this ministry and this teaching and this understanding and this revelation about God and about the foundation on the rock, Christ Jesus, that he's our only confidence, he's our only trust, he's our only reliable source that we can put our confidence and our trust in. He says here in verse 3 that no man should be moved by these afflictions. No man should be moved by these afflictions. You see, that's the whole point. This life of faith that God calls us into, it brings us into conflict with the powers of darkness and with the worldliness in the world. You can't walk a straight walk with God and think everything all around you is going to embrace you and think you're Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful. If that's your case, you're not walking the walk. You're not walking the walk. But if you're sold out to God, and your life is devoted to the Lord Jesus and to his purpose, you will find that afflictions will come across your path. Now, this is difficult for you to understand. If you're trying your best to love your neighbor and do what's right by your neighbor, to help your fellow man, 
you think that people would see that and they would be happy about that, but that's not the case. I don't understand myself personally, fully understand why and how this world works and its wickedness and in its darkness against the light. The darkness hates the light for some reason because Jesus said it exposes them and exposes their sin. They'd rather live in the darkness. So therefore they will try their best to afflict you and to cause you not to be shining light for Jesus. But this whole message of these scriptures in the New Testament is that Jesus says, let your light shine before men. He says, you don't have a lamp and hide it away. You have a lamp, God gives you a light so as that it will shine. That doesn't mean to say you go around with a high-handed attitude and say, oh, look at me, I'm shining, but you're, you're dull. No, that's not the right attitude. The right attitude is one of humility. But let the light and the love of God shine out through you in your actions, in your life, and people will see that. People will see the light. So you don't have to broadcast and exalt yourself. These afflictions for themselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Now, that's a strange statement. What's God about? I don't know. He hasn't explained to me. And he didn't explain to Paul either. Because the more that Paul ministered and did the work of God, he had this messenger of Satan, this apostle of Satan, this false person against him on his trail, causing problems, causing persecutions, causing afflictions. Three times he asked God, oh God, get this person off my back. What am I having to cope with these afflictions for? And this tribulation and this, this suffering, get it off my back. Three times he asked God. One time God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Second time, no, my grace is sufficient for you. The third time, no, my grace is sufficient for you. What's that all about? You see, here's the thing. In the event of having to overcome life and to follow through for God, uh, it's like this. It was put like this in an old commentary I let, read years ago. It made sense to me. If you go into a gymnasium now, look at me, I'm not, I'm, I'm an old fellow, a bit flabby. I don't go into a gymnasium and do all this stuff. But people, young people that go into the gymnasium and they come out looking like <laughs> Superman, bodies. <laughs> And, and pouches and, and all this whole business, they feel they feel pain. Their body has to be put through some stress and some strain. Why? Because the muscles have to feel resistance to get toughened up. It has to feel resistance to get bigger and better. Well, it's like that in the spiritual world. God says, you're going to experience opposition, persecution against you because of me. But don't worry, I'll be there to stand. He's our trainer. He's in our corner. He's looking after us. 
and he will not allow us to be tormented or troubled beyond what we're able to bear. He's in charge of everything. Even the enemies that's against us, God's in charge of them. He can say stop. He can tell them stand aside. But he'll watch over us and he'll guide us along life's path. So these afflictions are actually doing us good at the end of the day. That doesn't sound too clever, but that's hard works. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. How are we doing for time, Aris? Oh, we've got about seven minutes our time. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Time flies when you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> God's word is the best thing out for us. Verse four, for verily, he said, for verily, that's for sure. When we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer. Listen, tribulation, tribulation. Now, some people like to talk about tribulation and the great tribulation. And I've looked at that, that idea where it is and that Jesus mentioned about great tribulation. And Revelation talks about these people went through great tribulation. Well, in the aspect of Jesus speaking about the tribulation, he was speaking to his nation. He came primarily to the Jewish nation. And this was the end of their existence as they knew it as a nation. And all the anger and the wrath of God was going to be outpoured on them. And they were going to go through great tribulation. And that's the truth of the matter of the gospel in the gospels. Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. That's the tribulation that Jesus was talking about. Now you look at Revelation and you see this great company. First and foremostly, you see a picture of 144,000. That's significantly a picture of the Jewish nation. 12 tribes by 12 is a complete number. It's a, a significant number that God says that have come. The first and foremostly, the principle was the Jew first. The gospel came to the Jew first. The 120 people in the upper room and the 500 it's mentioned in the epistles, they were all Jewish people. It wasn't until the, the middle chapter chapters of Acts of the Apostles that the Gentiles started to receive the gospel. So first and foremostly, it was to the Jews first. So in Revelation, you get the picture of the Jewish community and group of people numbered. And then God shows another picture of a greater company with no man could number. And all these people, all these people were all the believers of all the generations right through uh, from Adam right through to the last generation and last part. And there's one thing about them. They all had to suffer tribulation. So what do you do when you get all these people with their measures of tribulation and you put them all together? It becomes a great tribulation. And that's what God's showing there, a great tribulation. So let every believer know and understand that it is our lot in this life if you're following and trusting Jesus that you will suffer tribulation. God help me. God help me as I try to serve God these days because I know there's people will not like to hear what I'm saying. Why? 
but it's God's truth. <laughs> but I am I am committed. And one of my occasions seeking the face of God, I was brought to the attention of Jeremiah when Jeremiah was saying to God, but oh God, these people are so popular and they've got these visions and they've got these dreams and, 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 and they're all loved and accepted by all of that. And God says, Jeremiah, let them dream their dreams. Let them tell their visions. But what's the chaff to the wheat? What is his word? It's like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. You speak my word. And that's the word I got. And that's what I'm going to try and do. I'm sure in time somewhere, somebody's going to try and twist my words or, or try and twist what I, who I am or what I'm doing and try to make it out that somehow I'm off the ball. But I'm on the ball. And the ball is the Holy Scriptures. Holy Scriptures. Let anybody come from any part of the world and sit before me. I want to discuss anything to do with the kingdom of God, with our Heavenly Father, with the Lord Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. And I'll say, okay, let's do it. Get your scriptures. You'll say, what, what, what? No, 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 no. No, I'd rather have uh, the book with the fairy tales. I'll say, no. Not interested. Not interested in fairy tales. The scriptures. Tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. Now, I'm going to finish there because time is gone. And I trust and pray that these scriptures that God has preserved, that we're doing our best to do our best to try and bring out the truth, that there'll be a blessing to your heart. And for by going on to this wonderful radio station that Aris is wonderfully taken care of, this has also been recorded on video, and you can check it out on video. You can see, I was going to say, but this is not flattery, but as you can see how beautiful Aris looks at, at the, in the radio station, and how handsome I am, if you want. But <laughs> in the video, Thanet, just put Thanet in to the YouTube, and it'll bring up the Thanet, these uh, studies. And we just want the Lord Jesus to get all the glory, all the praise, and all the power and all the honor for it all belongs unto him. We pray God bless you. And please spread the word around for the radio station. The object is that you would be encouraged and comforted in your faith. And Sister Aris, who is the director of the radio station, is doing her very best to achieve those goals under very difficult and straining circumstances. So she needs your prayers. She needs your help. And if you want to help her in any way possible, even financially, just do it. And to God be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was another good message, wasn't it? You can't get the, the pure word of God and not get a message. You know, and, and, and it's like walking through a village on, on a day out and it's a wonderful summer's day. And as you go a little bit further, you stop and chat to somebody else and then you go across the road into another shop and you have another chat there. And it's just, it's just it's such a natural flow. Um, 
you, you know, you can just stop anywhere and yet carry on and not, can't you? And, and not sort of miss it. And I'm thinking, oh, God, yeah, that's quite amazing. But if you're actually going shopping, you've got to remember you've got to get green grocery there and then you've got to get baked beans over there. And the whole thing becomes a jumble. So it's not a shopping list at all. <laughs> I just think. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, people give you these prayers, this shopping list of prayers. And I can't do those shopping lists. I don't know how anybody can do it. I, I really can't. But there, God has got a sense of humour as well, which is why we've been giggling this morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. And if you're wondering why I keep shifting around, let me tell you, my little doggy is in the office with me and she is being naughty. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's hearing Hugh's voice and she's going around trying to jump up. She's only little and she can't reach the, the, the where, where I've got the computer set. And I'm looking down at her and I can't reach her enough to whack on <laughs> to tell her to sit down. And she's making me, she's saying, jump out of my reach, you know, little monkey. She's all right now we've stopped. You see, that's one of the hindrances. That's how the enemy gets in and diverts your attention. Yeah. You know, because she's never usually like that. And um, but that's a good example, isn't it? You <laughs> of, of being diverted, yeah. And your course yeah. trying to be interrupted when you've got to stay focused. But thank God for his humor. Well, that's us finished, guys, for, for this week. Uh, we will be back because we've got more to tell you, or rather Hugh's got more to, to share with you, which would be really good. So we'll see you again soon. God bless everyone. God bless.